John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge makes game, you hear me? All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Next Gym Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I'm here, joined this week, always have great guests by Brandon Wokiji. If you've ever been in any of our Twitter spaces, I'm sure that you've seen Brandon before uh, on Twitter and just basically everything that has anything to do with the Grizzlies. He's always involved in it. Uh, His Twitter is BC. Wokiji, which is B-C-N-W-O-K-E-J-I. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good, Bryson. I really appreciate you having me on here. Uh, You're one of the first people I actually met um, on Twitter, just uh, talking about the Grizzlies and getting to know the Grizzlies. So really excited to be here. Really thankful, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I always say that when I was growing up, the only person I ever could talk about the Grizzlies with was my dad. Uh, shout, shout out to my dad, though. But that's kind of one of the reasons why I started doing all the Twitter stuff. So I really appreciate hearing stuff like that. Uh, but as we're recording this, the Grizzlies just finished their second back-to-back of the season. Uh, much better than the last back-to-back because uh, that Mavericks game was horrible. But they did lose to the Celtics last night. But I would say that in terms of everything that I've seen so far – like you never want the team to lose like just it's never good to lose a game but if you're gonna lose a game losing a game to the team that just went to the finals on the second night of a back-to-back when you're already missing Jaron and then Steven Adams doesn't play either I think that this is one of the more like an encouraging loss almost because they played them so well down to the end of the game where Really going into the game, this felt like a game that could could have gotten away from them if they weren't careful. Yeah, I mean, I, I really thought yesterday you're facing the Celtics, who are an, an incredible team. They're the number one scoring offense in the NBA. They have an MVP caliber player in Jason Tatum, another great player in Jalen Brown. They also have some great guards. I really thought on the second night of a back-to-back, the Grizzlies really fought. Um, there really wasn't anything glaring, glaringly bad, I'd say, in that game, just in terms of rebounds. Um, the Grizzlies and Celtics were both even, both had 45 rebounds. The Grizzlies had one one more offensive rebound. Uh, but for a game where you didn't have Steven Adams, your starting center, um, I really thought they gave the Celtics a really big fight uh, throughout the entire game. I really thought in the first quarter, especially, they came out um, really aggressive offensively. They were hitting their shots, getting in stride. Um, I think just in the second half, of course, Tatum um, started getting into that rhythm, um, hitting hitting his shots. They opened up the playbook a little bit there. Um, but I really thought neck and neck, they really kept the Celtics um, uh, with a really good game. And um, T- Jalen Brown was one for six from three. I believe Tatum was also four of 11 from three. Um, so they really did a pretty good job of limiting their two stars um, on the three-point line in that game. Yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned it too. I would say the number one thing that you can kind of see from this game was like how important Steven Adams really can be uh, for this team. Because I do feel like even though Ja did finish with like 38-9, and nine, 
I feel like it was really hard for him to get to the rim as easy just because he didn't have those screens that Steven Adams sets that, and, and even when he's not setting screens, just like clearing people out of the way in the paint just makes it so much easier for him to get to the rim. Uh, but then he still had that third quarter where like, it, like you're never going to completely shut jaw down. Like obviously he still finished with 30 points and he hit five three pointers, uh, which was awesome to see too. And it was good to see him kind of bounce back. Cause he had had a couple of tough games uh, after he kind of had the flu. So it was good to see him bounce back a little bit, but I still feel like if Steven Adams plays that game, I, I'm not going to say that, that the Grizzlies definitely win, but I don't think the Celtics go on that big 20 to nothing run where it felt like the Grizzlies just couldn't get any rebounds and stuff like that. Uh, and then they were just leaving them wide open from behind the arc. So I think that you saw some of the things that Steven Adams does do that kind of helps the Grizzlies a lot and hopefully he'll be back I know he's questionable for their next game but what what would you say about what Steven Adams does for the team and kind of what you saw last night that really just shows the glaring reasons why they need him especially with Jaron already being out yeah I think like you mentioned those screens for Ja are just really critical for Ja to get into a rhythm um, really early in games really get to the basket um, a lot easier. So I think the Grizzlies were really missing that. Um, the, the Celtics were really able to defend Ja a lot easier without those screens. Um, the offensive boards as well. I think the Celtics just caught, they caught boards um, at really just, I think, more opportune moments than the Grizzlies last night, um, especially in the third quarter. Um, I When the Celtics um, started kind of getting on a start, when the Grizzlies started coming back, but the Celtics kind of started pulling away there. I thought the Celtics just pulled boards in more opportune moments. Um, but one one factor that I think is really underrated in that game was Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, uh, last night against the Celtics, only scored 19 points, uh, two for six from three. And I think that's a huge thing that Steven Adams does. He opens up the floor for Desmond Bain. Um, those high screen, those high screen enrolls and those low screens as well. That, that, that two-man game between Desmond Bain and Steven Adams is a really big piece of the Grizzlies offense. It really gets Desmond Bain going as our second main scorer. Without Steven Adams on the floor, the Celtics were really able to defensively get to Bain a lot easier or force him out of rhythm on his shots, um, really kind of force him on the, on the rim and on the perimeter to make, take tough shots. And so without Steven Adams, I think that was a really big difficulty um, for the Grizzlies last night. Yeah, that that's definitely a thing. And when you talk about their defense, uh, the Grizzlies defense to start the season has struggled. Uh, it's been better the last couple games. Like it's it's definitely gotten a lot better. I think everybody can kind of see that. Because uh, I mean, they held the Wizards to ninety seven. They held the Hornets to ninety nine. Those are two teams that aren't like super high tier teams. So you expect that. But they also held the Trailblazers to 106. And then even though the Celtics did win that game, they only scored 109. And when you were looking at the first couple games of the season, they were consistently giving up 120, 130 uh, to most of those teams in the first week of the season. Uh, they are still 23rd in defensive rating, but last week they were 28th. So I think that you're, you're kind of see them 
you're, you're seeing them kind of get back to form on the defensive end, which I think that's something that is encouraging, especially with Jaron hopefully coming back soon and Zaire hopefully coming back soon. So uh, what do you kind of see on that end that you think they can improve on? And what do you think they've already improved on as well just over the last three or four games? Well, I think the main thing they can improve on is perimeter defense. I've noticed really through the start of the season, the Grizzlies are giving up a lot of open three-pointers to their opponents. Um, there are multiple reasons for this, but I think the main one is really overhelping, especially when um, just guys like really not getting in there, not guarding their man closely enough or on the dribble drive, dribble penetration, just kind of overhelping there. And then you have the driving kick leading to open three-pointers. I think that's really on the defensive side, the Grizzlies kind of weak point. Um, that's giving opponents a ton of open looks. I noticed that in the Celtics game, especially last night. A lot of that overhelping gave the Celtics a few open three-pointers. Um, they just didn't hit them. But they have gotten, I think, a lot better in, in defensive rotations. And a huge part of that, I think, is Dylan Brooks. I think the team defense is just night and day whenever Brooks is on the floor. He communicates. He's really that defensive leader that calls guys out. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that that's the number one thing for Dylan, which – it it's so hard to kind of rate how Dylan plays because when you look at like the shooting splits and stuff like that, like on the offensive end, he has not been good to start the season. Uh, he had that one game where he was on a heater and he it kind of feels like he was kind of finding where his role needs to be. But then you have games like last night against the Celtics where I feel like he took a, like a few too many shots that I don't want him taking. And I feel like a lot of people don't want him taking. But you saw at the beginning of the season, if he's not on the court, especially without Zaire to like help out on defense as well, I think that was the big thing last year was when Dylan was out, they still had Zaire. But if you don't have either one of them, the perimeter defense is just non-existent. And I think that's what we kind of saw the first couple weeks of the season. So I do think Dylan Brooks coming back has helped that. It's just kind of about, him finding the balance between being that defensive stopper and then what he does actually need to do on the offensive end. Because when he had his best game, it was mostly like catch and shoot stuff, which is what I would like to see him do more of and uh, like catch and shoot opportunities. And then uh, maybe some off the dribble opportunities into the mid range and driving to the basket. But I feel like so often you see like step back threes and stuff that I that he, he just hasn't been efficient on like his whole career. But I think that if he can continue to kind of find where his role is on this team, I still think he's the best option for them, especially for their defense. I totally have to agree there. It's worth noting that Dylan Brooks last night, even though he didn't have a great offensive game, oh, six for six of 17 from the field, oh, for four from three had the second highest plus minus um, on, on court for the Grizzlies. Uh, first was John Morant with plus 14, but Dylan not so far behind with plus 13. And I think that really just kind of values what Dylan brings to this team. Um, he's our defensive identity, at least right now, uh, with Jaron being out, with Zaire being out. Um, he's so important on that defensive end, guarding the team's best player on the floor, making them work for their buckets. Um, 
So that role, I know in the Grizzlies fan base, people kind of oscillate between Dylan Brooks uh, with, with, with his offensive shot selection, everything of the like, but there's no question. Uh, Dylan Brooks is so vital to the defensive identity of this team, and the Grizzlies can't be successful on the defensive end without Dylan Brooks. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the problem is that it's so hard to determine like what his role on the team is going to be because they absolutely need him on the defensive end. It's just that sometimes on offense, you just need him to take a step back. And I think he is starting to find that out. And I think as the season goes on, he's going to continue to find that out. Uh, so I still believe that he can figure it out. It's just it has to be soon. Like it, it, it has to be soon. Uh, but to 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 continue on, uh, just some other storylines, kind of early in the season, I I think that, but of of the rookies, I know a lot of people have talked about uh David Roddy and he has struggled to start the season, uh, which I I agree he has had some struggles to start the year, uh, but I think between him and then Laravia, Laravia has really impressed me. Uh, I I think obviously right now Laravia is probably going to be getting more minutes now that he's back and he's healthy after he was sick for a couple games. Uh, but I'm I'm still high on what Roddy can do. Uh, like you saw in that Trailblazers game, he hit his open shots and stuff like that. Uh, it's just going to be like, I feel like it might be on a night-to-night basis with those guys, just determining who can give you more. But when you look at the way that Jake has played the last two games, I mean, how can you not be excited for what he can do in his role, especially once he gets some more experience? Totally. I think Jake, I think Jake just really embodies Memphis in his play style. Um, he fights for every rebound. Um, he's hustling on the floor. Um, he's getting to his shots and hitting those open shots. Jake Laravia also is the rookie with the highest three-point percentage right now, 54% leading all rookies in that three-point percentage. Um, so Jake Laravia is really going to be a vital part part of this team moving forward, especially with his ability to hit shots. And that's not to discount David Roddy. David Roddy, I believe on the offensive end, shows a lot of flashes. He's really aggressive, getting to the rim, um, really getting that contact and really being aggressive. I think it's just a matter of refining his shot selection and really refining those shots um, to take. But Jake Laravia has been hitting those shots and he's been really just playing with a pace especially on both sides of the floor, that really embodies Memphis. I mean, it's hustling, it's grit, and it's grind. And I think Jake Laravia, for now, um, should have the bulk of those minutes uh, for the rookies, especially with Zaire out on the wing. Yeah, I think that as of now, if the Grizzlies were fully healthy, I think Jake would probably be the only rookie that would be getting consistent minutes. Because I feel like once Zaire comes back, I think Roddy is probably going to be the odd person out. Uh nothing to say that it's because he doesn't have potential and everything, but just that for right now, LaRavia has just been better just overall in terms of his efficiency, in terms of like looking comfortable on the court at times too. Uh, And I think one thing that is really underrated about LaRavia has been kind of his ability as a connective passer, not necessarily the one who's getting the assist, but maybe the person that's kind of getting that hockey assist where he was to pass to the assists, uh, like on my career, when you get that little thing uh, to bu- bump your teammate grade up. It's like he makes little plays like that. He makes those teammate grade bump plays, whether it's a good screen or something like that, 
or if he's getting the deflection on the defensive end. So I, I see what you're saying when you say he kind of embodies Memphis in, in, in that sort of way. But, I, yeah, I, I think that he just needs to continue to adjust to the speed of the game. And I think that you've kind of seen that the last couple the couple, last couple games. Uh, I, it's, he wasn't as out as long as Zaire is, but I remember last year Zaire was out for a couple games and he came back and he just looked way better. And it kind of feels the same way for Jake, even though Jake only missed two games. Uh, it feels like he missed those two games and he came back just looking like much better, a much better player just overall. Yeah, I, I that's that's the thing about Jake too. I think what I really like about Jake too is his length. Um six seven, um really can switch on to defenders really well. Um, you know, with sets his feet um when guarding when guarding his other guy. Um I think on the defensive end, Jake brings a lot that but that Jake shows so many flashes of potential as a really good defender and his IQ kind of like you mentioned with those connective passes is pretty is really high um, he knows really how to find guys in their spots really how to get the flow get Jenkins offense flowing knows how to make the right pass um, and really isn't um, errant with the ball at all um, so that's why that's why I really like Jake he's just really a great plug plug and play guy in this offense overall and so I'm really excited to just see how he grows and really see how he develops with the team um, that's reminding me too um, in that game uh, against the Wizards where um, Jake was on the uh, on the left wing and then he just called for the ball um, on the on the three-point line and then uh, Dylan passed it to him bang i mean jake jake's just got a flamethrower um he can hit open shots um and he knows how to find guys and he's got such a really high basketball iq like you said just about adjusting to the speed of the game there's a lot to like with jake laravia for sure yeah definitely and i think when you look at kind of the way he's played i, I always look at kind of like the rookie ladder stuff and stuff like that i don't think like he he's not going to win rookie of the year or anything like that i think paulo banchero is probably going to have that locked up uh, just the way he's been playing to start the season, it looks like he's going to win that award. But if you're looking at making an all-rookie team, I think that Jake has a really good chance. Uh, and then just looking at kind of – I know it's early, like it's very early in the season, only 11 games, but where some of the Grizzlies are in terms of like making all defensive teams or making first-team All-NBA, like I think – You've got Ja, uh, like when you just look at it, it's like you've got Ja as a, definitely an MVP candidate. I think Desmond Bain is now going to be a candidate for most improved player. And Ja and Desmond are both, I, I think they could both be all-stars this year. So I think that's another thing just to see how everybody is kind of improving along with bringing in a rookie like Jake. And I feel like all of them are starting to get more recognition around the country because I, I mean I saw some national media outlets kind of talking about like hey the Grizzlies have a rookie that's shooting over 50 percent from three right now and ja, I mean Ja leads sports center every night at this point and I think people are finally starting to kind of respect Desmond Bain too and I think that's going to be the biggest thing this year for the Grizzlies is just how much better Desmond Bain has gotten because when you look at just the way that he's playing, like he's averaging 24, five and five to start the season, which last year he had already doubled his scoring up to 18. 
And obviously, you weren't going to expect him to double it again and average 30 a game or anything crazy like that. But just to see that he improved that much from year one to year two, and then to kind of see him make that, like make another jump, take another step, is just awesome to see. Oh man, Desmond Bain, I could I could really go on all day about that guy. Uh, but he is a star in the making, and he's truly a gem that this front office um, really found did their research on. Um, and he's someone who who is going to bring the Grizzlies to that next level. Um, interesting stat that I found: uh, Desmond Bain has a career average of forty two point five percent from the three point line on five plus attempts per game. You know, the only other guy who has that, Stephen Curry. Uh, Desmond Bain is a bona fide bucket. Um, he's a three-point shooter who can get hot from anywhere on the floor. <laughs> when Desmond Bain shoots, I just know it's going in. And I think this year, especially, what we're really seeing um, it, it, for the Grizzlies with Desmond Bain is that playmaking leap that he's taking. Uh, Desmond Bain is a bona fide NBA playmaker, um, which is just insane to think about, right? Coming into the league, right? With his shooting averages and everything, um, we thought he was really just going to play that shooting, that like, strictly shooting role for the Grizzlies. But now he's taking the ball up the court. He's making those great finds, great passes, especially with Brandon Clark in that two-man game. Um, so like Brandon, so um, Desmond Bain as a playmaker is going to elevate this Grizzlies offense. And it's so perfect because you have your point guard in John Morant and Desmond Bain is really that perfect backcourt partner for, for John Morant because he can hit that open three, he can find guys in their spots now too. So that Desmond Bain playmaking leap, I think is the biggest thing that's impressed me so much about Desmond Bain's game this season. Yeah, I like the playmaking has been really like, it's been really encouraging. Like I said, he's averaging just around five assists per game, uh, which is the most of his career. And I think it has given him a chance to take some of the pressure off of Ja, whereas in the past you've seen there's been times where Ja just has the ball in his hands too much at times. Uh, obviously, he's going to dominate the ball most of the time, but you have to have somebody else that either when Ja is not on the court or if they're selling out to stop Ja, you have to have somebody else that can handle the ball and find open guys. And I think that Desmond Bain has done a really good job of that to start the season. And I think that's something that he can continue to improve on. Like in terms of his offensive game, I would say that's the place he can improve the most. Uh, also, uh, dri driving to the basket too, I think he does still have some room to improve there. Uh, he's gotten much better than like over the last two years. So it's nothing to necessarily complain about. It's just that that's, that's the next step is for him to be an even better playmaker and for him to be even more difficult to guard off the dribble, which I think if you see kind of the trajectory that he's been on so far, there's no doubt in my mind that Ja and Desmond Bain can be the best backcourt in the NBA. And I would like to see what you th think about that statement because I feel like that's something that I've seen a lot of kind of to start this season is who is the best backcourt in the NBA because there's been some that have been struggling that they kind of weren't expecting the struggle. And then you also have Ja and Dez who are now, I think, averaging over 50 points per game between the two of them, like 50 points and 13 assists a game or something crazy like that. So I think that 
they definitely have a case, but there's a lot of guys around the league because you can look at the Hawks, you can look at the 76ers, you can look at the Warriors always. Uh, you can look at the Cavs. Like, there's there's a lot of great backcourts in the NBA, but I think those two are firmly in the conversation for the best one right now. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I think uh, most definitely top three um, at the very least right now. Like you mentioned, Cavs backcourt um, with Garland and Mitchell has been really great. Hawks backcourt uh, with uh, Trey and Murray um, and Jante. Um, has been really great too, but right up there, um, it's John Bain. Um, they're combining, uh, like you said, for over 50 points, over 13 assists per night. The chemistry they have is just so great because their styles of play just mesh so well with each other. Um, you know, Ja really, really being that athletic point guard slasher with an improved three point, um, three point percentage this year as well. But Desmond Bain as that flamethrower three point shooter, um, who can also play make, um, you can also take the ball up the floor. Find guys in their spots too. Um, so I really think Ja and Bain, um, absolutely, um, will have a case for best backcourt in the NBA as they grow together. Um, again, like, got to understand these guys are super young too. Uh, ja being only 23 years old, Desmond Bain being only 24 years old, they're only going to continue to grow together. And I think in that starting backcourt of Ja and Bain, you just have two guys whose games just complement each other so perfectly. And you see that on a night-by-night -night basis where they're just continually breaking Grizzlies franchise scoring records together. And so I absolutely believe they um, can, they can be a, a best backcourt in the NBA um, in a few seasons' time. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in the next – I think they're the best backcourt of the future, no question. Uh, we'll see what happens with some of these other guys, like – like you said, with Garland and Mitchell and Trey and DeJounte, those are some of the ones that have a chance to kind of take that title as well. But I do think just the way that they've been playing to start the season, it's hard to deny that they're at least top three, kind of like you said. Uh, kind of before we close out on this one, we do have to talk about the never-ending saga that is Jaron Jackson Jr.'s Instagram story when he's telling us whether or not he's going to be coming back. Earlier, he said, give him a week, something like that. I don't know. I, it's 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 hard to decipher everything that he puts on there sometimes. But it seems like he's very close. So, do you, I don't know. I think my prediction is that he's going to be back when they play the Timberwolves again, which I think that's November 18th. So, I think that's like 10 days from now. I could I could really see him being back for that game. Oh, wait, no, no, no. They play the Thunder on the 18th, not the Timberwolves. I got my T's messed up. They play the Timberwolves on Friday. I don't know if he'll be back on Friday. That might be too soon. But I think they play the Thunder the, fri the Friday after this Friday. And it's a home game against a team that has been struggling. I think that's a good game that he could come back at. But like I said, nobody knows for sure because they haven't put an actual date on it yet. But I, I, another thing I would look out for in the next couple days, see if he's doubtful for one of these games, because he, I think he's getting really close. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, the never-ending saga that is Jaron Jackson Jr. on social media. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really entertaining. Um, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a man who communicates through very cryptic messages. 
And I, I really liked following along on his social media platforms, um, just everything he's been posting about a return this season. Um, but there's no doubt uh, the Memphis Grizzlies um, are, are the best version of, Mem- of the Memphis Grizzlies when Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing. And um, there's just no doubt that um, we, we're defensively, he's going to bring a boost to this team, being a first-team all-defensive member last season. Um, and so in terms of a return, that's something that I really am kind of trying to wrap my head around too. Um, like you are, um, I, I think, I believe he has progressed to five on five court work uh, just from reports of what I'm hearing. Um, so I, I really think this week is pretty soon just kind of knowing um, this franchise and really kind of the, the caution they take with players um, in the Memphis Grizzlies Um, While Jaron will bring a boost on both sides of the ball, um, Memphis Grizzlies are faring just well without Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, seven and four in in the Western Conference. So I'd I'd probably have to put a return, either like you said, that Friday game against the Thunder um, or um, Tuesday, November 22nd is another home game um, against the Kings. Um, I'd I'd say one of those games we um, can reasonably expect a Jaron Jackson Jr. return. Um, I, I I don't think it's very far at all. Um, I think he is, it's really close and I'm really excited to just see Jaron back in the Grizzlies uniform. Um, I love the energy that he brings on the court. I love what he brings for this franchise, but yeah, I'd say um, mid, mid to late November, we can expect a Jaron Jackson Jr. return for sure. Yeah. I mean, last month he said November. So we know that he's going to be back before the end of this month as long as there's no setbacks. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think that just when he gets back, it's almost like the Grizzlies are getting their last Infinity Stone, and it's like they finally have the full team. Well, not even the full team because Zaire is still going to be out, and then they're still going to have Danny Green that hasn't been, that hasn't played yet either. So it's, it's so weird because it feels like, they always find a way to fight through all these injuries, like whether it was last season or the year before, and kind of exceed expectations. Like even in that Celtics game, you're on a back-to-back. You already have guys out. Steven Adams is out for that game too, and you're still competing with one of the best teams in the NBA. It's just like I feel like their their lineup their lineups defy logic at sometimes. So just to finally see them fully healthy is going to be great to see that. Yeah, I really believe that this team, right, when when you think about the culture and the building of this team, uh, Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins have mentioned it a lot. What they want to build with the Memphis Grizzlies is really a culture of sustained success. And that really comes through our depth. Our depth is really one of our most valuable assets on this team. And so whenever one guy can't step in for that night, somebody steps up. I'm really seeing that with the rookies this year, with Roddy and LaRavia giving us big contributions. Um, And we're really seeing that with Brandon Clark as well. You know, all these guys just stepping up in really different ways, playing their own kind of game and still leading the Grizzlies to wins. So it's really going to be really exciting to have um, the squad or close to the full squad um, here in just a matter of a few short days or weeks. Definitely. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before you go, make sure you tell everybody where they can find you and just anything that you're going to be doing coming up. Yeah. Um, kind of like you mentioned, I am uh, really active on Twitter 
at uh, BC Wakiji, um, um, pretty much every game. I'm just going uh, live telecast, um, live Twitter cast, I should say, um, of really what I love about the Grizzlies. Um, but I'm really most active there. Um, I hop on a lot of just Twitter spaces about the Grizzlies. Um, love coming, love coming on here. Just love every love. Um, just contributing to Grizzlies content um, all around Twitter. You can find me on there mainly at BC Wakiji. Uh, thanks a lot for bringing me on, Bryson. Um, really appreciate it. Um, love talking about the Grizzlies. I love talking about the Grizzlies with you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Be sure to like and subscribe and download all the other podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, as long as the Next Gen Podcast. For Brandon, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.